Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Mixed martial arts. Mixed martial arts. That's what MMA stands for. <laughs> God, all right. No more. Uh, no more rapping. No more singing. It's time to talk some fights because the UFC is back in Las Vegas. They're outside of the apex. It's International Fight Week. We had the Hall of Fame on Thursday. We had some negative stuff going today, but we're not going to talk about that right now because we have two title fights to look forward to tomorrow night. And for the first time in over six years, despite what what, what one of our panelists is going to say in a matter of moments, Nick Diaz stepped on the scale, successfully made weight for a UFC fight. And he's going to make the walk tomorrow. Unbelievable. We have a lot of interesting storylines to discuss ahead of Saturday's UFC September pay-per-view offering as we welcome you to the UFC 266 preview show here on MMAfighting.com. We got the whole crew here and some new faces for preview shows. We haven't had uh, this face on very often, but I'm glad he's here. You've seen a lot of this man, but uh, we'll introduce him in a moment. I am Mike Heck alongside Jose Youngs, our boots on the ground in Las Vegas, Nevada. How are you, sir? Oh, you know, tired, sleepy, sweaty, exhausted, but ready for some fist fights. Red carpet was fun. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Yes, I'm sure we will. Uh, we have Mr. Jed Mishu back. This is like three out of four shows, Jed. This is unbelievable. How are you? I'm good. I have to get all, all my takes out now because uh, Casey robbed me, so I don't get to talk next week, which is unfortunate. Well, that's good. And, of course, we have the aforementioned Casey Lydon, the baddest stash in the game. And according to Jed, the worst judge in BTL history. How are you, sir? The worst and only judge, this guy. <laughs> well, we've had a lot of guest judges, and a lot of them favor Jed, but that is besides the point. Uh, let's get right into this thing. Jose, i love to ask you this question because this is different, all right? It's Vegas. It's International Fight Week. We didn't have International Fight Week last year. Nick Diaz is scheduled to fight. I think you like that word, Jed. Scheduled to fight. 2021 is just wild, man. What What is Las Vegas like this week? Like, what has it been like out there with all this going on? It's hard to say. Uh, it's hard to compare it to previous international fight weeks. I've been to, I think, every international fight week since about 2013 uh, that have happened. And it's this one is hard to gauge just because before a lot of the UFC – events would be on the strip or as i know casey remembers like i think two, it was 2015 when they had like three fight cards in like three days or it was like two fight cards in two days or something like that so it, it's it's hard to gauge the magnitude of it just because we have to go to the apex lot which is way off the strip so i didn't really feel and like at the press conference yesterday with like especially with the with the dsi i thought it would just be like insanity it really wasn't it was kind of a subdued crowd regardless of what you heard through the through the cameras there wasn't a lot of people there maybe it's because it was a thursday i don't know but today after official weigh-ins i went down to the park mgm and, and the park theater which is right across the street from the t-mobile which is where 
uh, the ceremonial weigh-ins were, and I actually got to see fans in line for autographs. And my God, there are an absurd amount of fight fans standing in a hundred degree weather just to get autographs and photos with their favorite fighters. So until today, it didn't feel big, but after seeing the enormous amount of fans uh, all like playing the UFC, uh, like like hit the hammer and the ball goes up and stare downs with like virtual fighters and like all these and like standing in line to meet Jorge Masvidal and Bobby Green and Claudio Gadelia. It actually, it does kind of have an international fight, international fight week feel. It just, the only thing missing is I, I, I think it's, it's missing that fan expo. Like remember Casey, like 2000, Mm -hmm. like before the Reebok deal, they would have that big convention with all the booths and everything. It doesn't have the feel like that because those were fantastic, but uh, it's good to see at least the fans are back and they're able to uh, uh, meet their favorite fighters this week. We're going to talk the top three fights in a moment and under the radar stuff. But Jed, we're covering this event from a little bit of a different perspective from Jose because we're not on the scene. We can look at things with a little bit more of a wider lens. We sort of touched on this on BTL. I think this is a really good card on paper. There's some really interesting fights. There's some high stakes fights, some interesting debuts. The main card is really intriguing. This is one of my most anticipated cards of the year from a purist perspective. Of course, we got some bells and whistles for the casuals, which we'll get into as well. But all in all, I really like this card from top to bottom. Your thoughts on the card as a whole, Jed? Mike, you know me, man. I I love to tell people to not tune in and just watch our <laughs> just tune into our coverage on MMAfighting.com. Uh, and I feel justified every time I say it, but I can't say that about this because this is legitimately really good MMA. Like every almost every fight this weekend has a purpose. It's a really well structured event. Like you said, there's something for everybody here. There's hardcore fans dreams. There are casual stuff sprinkled in. There are contenders meeting kind of aging out veterans. It's it's runs the whole gamut. This is this is the UFC at its best. Like when they are booking a, you know, booking a fight card, doing what they are supposed to do as promoters, kind of this is it. And I, I think it's the best card on paper all summer. I don't. Maybe we're not technically in the summer anymore. I don't really know when the equinox happened or happens, <laughs> but it's the best card on paper in several months. And I am legitimately excited for tomorrow night. How do you like the entirety of the card, Casey? Like the whole collection of fights in one one album, so to speak. How do you like it as a whole? Oh, I'm just gonna say what Jed said. It's actually a great card. Um, Fights that have meaning, lots of top ten, lots of top ten fighters, championship fights, you know the, the return of Nick Diaz, you know a rematch, a classic rematch, a rematch of a classic fight, um, and then you have lots of lot, lots of newcomers, lots of prospects. You have vets like Roxanne Modafferi, and apparently she's gonna break the record for most professional female fights, which hasn't been talked about once by the UFC, which is whatever, but um, that's cool. And um, yeah, the, the Dan Hooker Nazrat um, story just thrown in there too. I mean, um, yeah, it's an excellent card. The prelims rule, even the early prelims, a lot of prospects, and then the fights you have to pay for. All fights that matter, and all fights that deserve to be on a pay per view. So, thumbs up UFC, you did it. Best fight of the fall. <laughs> so, <laughs> best, best card. <laughs> All right, so let's let's break down this main event. We'll start with you, Jose, because this fight. Hey, wait, right okay, can, we, can we? I need to send that clip to Dana because because you know we get lots of crap in the media for crapping on MMA, but all four of us just said how awesome this fight card rules. So just just take that in mind before it, later on when he calls us scumbags again. It's still two fights too long. Don't need to be thirteen. Like I'm not going to buck too hard <laughs> on it, but like. You know, but those, those, those are free fights. Those are free fights. Early prelims. Those are like you know people waiting in line. You know, insecure. Like there's gonna be like six people in the arena for those first two fights. But I I know what you're saying. <laughs> oh, yeah, we have to cover it. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and three potential five round t- five round fights on top of that. But Jose, the main event. This is like a Jose Young's kind of a fight, right? You being a fan of high level martial arts competitions above most else, you got. Alexander Volkanovsky, a guy who just does not get the credit he deserves, in my opinion, returns for the first time since he beat Max Holloway at UFC 251. Depends on who you ask. I thought Volkanovsky won that fight, but he's going to defend his title for the second time, this time against his rival, fellow Tough 29 coach, Brian Ortega. And not that this fight really needed it, Jose, but Volkanovsky is trying to up the ante with the trash talk, which is very 
unlike Volkanovsky. So a lot to unpack with what I just said, but what are your thoughts on the fight, the build, and Volkanovsky just trying to throw shade every chance he gets for this fight? Oh, I mean, I was hyped for this fight the second Brian Ortega beat the Korean zombie. Like, because we all knew once Brian Ortega, uh, I'm going to, he didn't technically win by knockout, but I'm going to say when he knocked out the Korean zombie uh, on Fight Island, uh, we all knew that was the fight to make. And I immediately was just salivating at this matchup. I knew uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, like you said, I, I don't think gets enough appreciation as being a champion. I mean, he's a lot of people consider like Max and Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez, three of the five greatest featherweights ever, and Alexander Volkanovsky has beaten all of them, and he's still always the underdog and is still considered the second, and some even put him the third best featherweight in the world behind like either Max Holloway or AJ McKee or somewhere in that gambit right there. I still put him at the top just because he is the UFC champion, but I'm not going to argue with anyone. Uh, and then Brian Ortega, outside of that Max Holloway fight, has looked absolutely unbelievable. Uh, he has a whole new whole new team. He's not has a whole new management system. He, he just seems like a new man. And yeah, Alexander Volkanovsky has sold the hell out of this fight. And it's weird to say, I know you're going to ask, like, what is the under-the-radar fight of the night? And it's weird when the main event is the <laughs> one that no one is talking about because obviously everyone is in town for the Diaz-Robbie Lawler five-round fight. Everyone keeps forgetting it's five rounds. Um but the main event checks every box. There's heat between both coaches or both fighters. They have a ton of footage of them interacting. They are both clearly two of the top three featherweights in the UFC right now. And I think Brian Ortega even said it's going to be him, Volkanovski, and Holloway. It's like a, it's like a triangle. Those three are going to be at the top. And I'm very curious to see if 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 Brian, whoever comes out the losing end, if they put on a good showing and it's like a fight of the night that a lot of people think. I don't think either man is going to lose much value in the ranking. So this checks every box of an incredibly high-level martial arts competition that I don't even think needs a title on the line for it to absolutely rule. Volkanovski, underappreciated. He's trying to uh, – he's fighting with a chip on his shoulder. Brian Ortega thinks he's the man and wants to, as he said, he's coming for Volkanovski's head, forget the belt, and they're just two of the best featherweights on planet Earth. So I think this is – I'm glad this is the main event because let's not forget – this is the first time Alexander Volkanovsky has ever headlined a UFC fight ever. And he's been on several pay-per-views. Then Brian, I think this is Brian Ortega's, I want to say, fourth headliner, third headliner. So Brian Ortega has more main event experience than the champion. So love everything about this fight, and I, I can't wait. I know everyone's excited for the Diaz-Lawler fight. I am too. I've been tweet, tweeting about that fight for about eight years now. I'm glad it's finally <laughs> happening. Wish it was at welterweight, but this main event rules. And I really hope people don't just tune out after the Diaz-Lawler fight because you're going to miss something special. Casey, you're, you are not a, you have not been a big fan of Volkanovsky trying to hype this fight oh. up, have you? Uh, no, because I just don't. I, it's, no, I, okay. <laughs> um, I, I like MMA because, I mean, not to steal UFC's catchphrase, it's as real as it gets. I like pro wrestling, but what, um, what Volkanovski is doing is trying to sell pay-per-views, and I get it. It puts more money in his pocket, but that's that's not what I'm here for. I like Volkanovski. He's a gentleman. You know, he doesn't he doesn't need that trash talk. I mean, we had, I mean, they did like, like, how many episodes of Tough, and it was just like, ugh, and they did the fake trash talk. Like, I can't touch his car. I don't know. It was just weird, and I just don't need that part of Volkanovski. I like Volk. He's a great fighter. Um, he's the champ, um, and that's that, that's enough for me. And Brian Ortega deserves that uh not rematch but deserves that second shot at the title and to me that is enough and the 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 bad blood just seems so forced and i'm just not into it and just it feels out of character i don't know it just it feels i get i get i get it sells it's more money in his pocket but yeah i don't know is, is anyone into it i don't know am i, am I, missing yeah, I love something? it i love it i love, I love it, everything or? about it because Volkanovski, even off camera at media day, was like, I'm going to murder this guy. Like, he hates Brian Ortega. I don't think anything's fake about it. I think they'll shake hands after because I think, I think Volkanovski's talent, like, I but, think what, there's. What is he mad at? I don't understand it because he's fake. I don't know what he's. Like, uh, I no, I think he thinks, and I, I do, I don't know. I'm not calling Brian Ortega this at all because I don't have firsthand experience with him, but I completely resonate with someone who thinks someone is getting preferential treatment. And as I have no 
if I am Alexander Volkanovsky, the champion, and someone gets preferential treatment and I consider them spoiled and gets to do whatever he wants with no repercussions, that would bother me. And if Volkanovsky wants to say that, all power to him because, again, he's the champ. He shouldn't. He shouldn't have to be on anyone's time. If I'm not saying like the whole I'm he's light thing, I don't really care about that. Yeah, but Brian Ortega, I mean Alexander Volkanovsky, even off camera said, I don't like people who think that they can do whatever they want and there is no repercussions for their actions and f everyone else. I don't like that myself. I don't know about you guys. You guys <laughs> might like that. I don't particularly care if you guys do like that. But me, Jose Youngs. I understand why Alexander Volkanovsky might not like Brian Ortega. I got some bad news for Volkanovsky. He's in the UFC. Yeah. <laughs> I got some. I like not both, how it I works. Like both men. <laughs> I like both men uh, as fighters and people. I'm just saying I completely understand where Alexander Volkanovsky is coming from. If that is truly how he feels. But did I miss a story? What did, when did Ortega? What am I? When did Ortega get some preferential treatment? Uh, he said it's all been. He said he said they didn't put any of it. He said they didn't put any of it on camera. Yeah. So, so is this just with the UFC, Brian, it seems, not Brian Ortega? Uh, I think it's a little no. bit of both because they don't show it. Like, UFC, remember, when we, had Lauren Mur- remember mm-hmm. when we had Lauren Murphy on the A side and she was saying a lot of the stuff that Eddie did that they didn't put on camera bothered her? And so everyone thinks she would be overreacting to her annoyance with Eddie Alvarez. But then she would even say, if you knew the full story and saw everything that happened, you would understand what I'm saying. And I get the same sense with Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovski said it in some interviews, like apparently multiple times they halted filming waiting for Ortega because he just showed up whenever the hell he wanted and stuff like that. And that's kind of what first got under his skin. Yeah. <laughs> so I, think move, Volkanovski, move. I do think Volkanovski is a very professional, professional fighter. And maybe he's just wired differently, man. It's like yeah. Nick Diaz is wired differently. Doesn't mean he's wrong. Alexander Volkanovski feels a certain way. I'm not going to tell him he's yeah. wrong in his feelings about being annoyed by another human being yeah to me his issues are at the ufc but carry on folks yeah. if, if you need that chip if he needs that chip on his shoulder i don't think he needs anything i don't think his issues with the ufc i just think he generally doesn't like brian ortega as a human being yeah and i think there's some gamesmanship to this too i think he's trying to get ortega riled up and i do agree also, with that. Fight outside. I, that you kind of saw it at the weigh-ins after, after the weigh-ins like ortega gave his little speech saying he's, he's gonna take his head and volkanovsky was all fired up he's like he's gonna come Let's, out Guns blazing. I hope he comes out guns blazing. Let's not forget what Volkanovski went hard in the pain in on Brian Ortega yesterday. He had no idea Brian Ortega tested positive for steroids. When I say steroids, I mean steroids, not diuretics, banned substances, nothing like anabolic steroids. <laughs> he had no idea. And I know that was years ago, and Brian Ortega doesn't do that anymore. And he's even admitted, like, I, I, I yeah. messed up this and that. He completely owned up to it. But when Volkanovski brought that up, I was on Twitter, a ton of fighters were like, huh, I didn't know that either. And like they kind of – I think just Volkanovski found out like three or four fight and it just got under – I think it was just another thing that he didn't like. So I generally don't think – I generally don't think it's a UFC thing or trying to hype himself. I just don't think he likes the guy and he gets to punch him in the face. So he's excited to do that. Jed, we were, we were talking about this on the weigh-in show a little bit and you like to dabble in the ponies from time to time. But at this moment – Alexander Volkanovsky is a minus 180 favorite. Comeback on Brian Ortega is plus 155. So the conversation we're having is there's some folks who feel that Volkanovsky should be a much bigger favorite than minus 180. And I've heard others say that this should be lined closer. Me, right now, I feel like it's lined pretty well for a number of reasons. But what do you think of the matchup and and where the, the betting lines currently sit? Is minus 180 for Volkanovsky about right? But something tells me from past BTL episodes, uh, you might feel the line is not where it needs to be. Yeah. So if it were legal to gamble where I live and if I were so inclined, I would be betting a substantial amount of money on that line on Volkanovsky because that is soft. I would also, in this hypothetical world, be putting a pretty good sum on Volkanovski by decision because as I've said many times on our various programs, Brian Ortega sucks at fighting and Alexander Volkanovski might actually just be the best fighter in the world. Like I, we talked about it yesterday on BTL, so I won't go deep into it, but very quickly, I think Ortega is the most interesting test for Volkanovski because I don't think anyone over five rounds can, can can beat him. Like Whether you think the Max fight, however that played out, by the end of it, Volkanovski had adjusted to the changes Max made between fight one and two and was, was taking over that fight. 
And I, I think that that's just how he is. His his mind for fighting is so good. His ability to make in-fight adjustments is very sharp. Like I, I, He's the house, and you can't bet against the house a bunch and come out ahead. The way you can beat Volkanovski is with one big piece of offense, and that's what Ortega's game is. He loses the fight but wins the war because he can snatch up a neck or get a finish. So in that regard, I think he possibly presents the best chance to unseat Volkanovski. But I don't think it's at all likely. Like I've, I've watched more tape since yesterday because I didn't have anything else to do today. Um, and one of the things that really stuck out to me is Ortega, you got to give him credit for all his wins. I know I don't give him a lot of credit because, again, he sucks at fighting. But <laughs> you, you have to give him credit for the, like, the resume that he has built. But at the same time, like all of the fights that he was losing until the one big piece of offense, none of those – None of the good, the great finishes of Ortega's career have come against like super strong defensive fighters. Like he's he's managed to snatch up a geat. Like Cub Swanson is a good fighter, but you would never be like defense is the strength of Cub Swanson's game. And it's sort of like that. The the best defensive fighter is Korean Zombie's not a great defensive fighter either. The best defensive fighter ever faced was Max Holloway, and he got the size nines put to him. Man, like it's. I, I think Volkanovski is a much better defensive fighter than Max Holloway. Even he is, I just don't see a, I don't see a realistic avenue outside of getting a guillotine because Volkanovski really slips up. Otherwise, I think he's better everywhere, and he's probably just going to dominate this fight. Ortega's tough as hell. I don't think Volkanovski can get the finish just because he's not a huge finisher, but. Again, in a hypothetical world where I could gamble on this, I sh- I sure would be putting <clears throat> a pretty good sum on both Volkanovski straight at those odds and Volkanovski by decision. Hypothetical worlds are always fun worlds to live in. And what what was kind of at stake in my mind, at least until earlier today, Max Holloway would be kind of waiting in the wings for the winner of this fight, especially if Ortega won. But we found out that Max Holloway has agreed to fight Yair Rodriguez officially on November 13th in the main event, which was stunning to me because when this fight was first thrown out there by Dana White, it was nowhere near being done. Holloway wasn't cleared to fight. There was all sorts of stuff going on. And if I was Holloway, I was like, why would I fight anybody right now with this title fight looming in the background when you're sitting there waiting for the winner? But here we are. You're just going to fight Yair November 13th and get the winner if he wins. He's going to get paid to beat the hell out of Yair and then get his title shot. Yes, but before Holloway or Yair can get into this picture officially, this fight for the featherweight title has to happen first. So let's get right into the picks. Jed seems to be high on Volkanovski by decision. I gave my pick on the weigh-in show. I think Volkanovski will win a competitive decision, competitive to a point, but not so competitive that... When it's over, I think we're all going to be on Twitter saying Volkanovski definitely won that fight. But I, th- I just think he has so many weapons. All are very effective. And if, like Jed said, if he could avoid something completely out of left field, which is not out of the realm of possibility, he should win this fight. So that's my pick. Jose, your thoughts. Who walks out of Vegas, the featherweight champ? Uh, I'm going to pick Volkanovski by, like you said, close decision. But I don't think we're going to be hammering down the door to declare Volkanovski the like the unanimous best featherweight in the world. I just think he's going to hold his place as champion. Um, and I only I only pick Volkanovski just because going 10 rounds against Max Holloway, and I know a lot of people disagree on whatever, but he did win both. And this new Brian Ortega, we don't have enough tape. I'm going to use tape on this new Brian. So for all we know, Brian's the best featherweight in the world. I just – I have nothing to base my opinion judgment off of. So I'm just going to go with the man that has uh, been – what do you call it? Steadily fantastic, and that is Volkanovski. I hope Ortega is not the best featherweight in the world, or I'm going to catch a rash of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care that who's the best featherweight in the world. I just want a good fight. Well, I'll tell you what. There's uh, there's one panelist in our rankings who has Volkanovski fourth, number four <laughs> in our rankings. Uh, what I'm not, I don't remember. I don't remember who that person was, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. But Casey, if just. Unless your mind changed from earlier this morning, you are on the and new train, are you not? I'm going and new. Um, on my rogue panelist rankings, I am going with the number three ranked Brian Ortega to defeat the number four ranked Alexander <laughs> Volkanovsky by fourth round guillotine. He will, he will he will take a, he will take a whooping in the first round. He will take a whooping in the first round. 
he's going to adjust. Third round, he's going he's gonna to do a little better. Bokanowski gets a little desperate, sticks that neck out. Send Everybody says I'm the troll of MMA fighting, and it's really this man. <laughs> it is, it is this <laughs> no, because trolls don't believe what they say. Casey truly believes that. Unless, uh, unless, unless Brian Ortega has very fragile hands and he breaks his hand again in the first round, like he did with Max Holloway, unless he breaks his hand again, unless there's some weird injury, but I think the Brian Ortega we have now, new camp, looks like he had a great weight cut. He'll win this in the, what did I say, fourth round? Fourth round. He looks like he looks in the best shape I've ever he seen. Looked great, yeah. I like, he looked great, yeah. Just really physically, good. this looks like the best Brian Ortega I've ever seen. Yeah. So that's my, that's my prediction. But there we go, man. But I got I said this on the, I said this on the way in show. Volkanovski is freaking awesome. I, he's freaking awesome. Brian Ortega is freaking awesome. Just a little bit more freaking awesome. That's all. So that is the main event. <laughs> if this, hey, but Jed, if this was a three round fight, I would pick Volkanovski. But five round fight, I'm going you Ortega. Know, the longer the fight goes, the better that is for Volkanovski. <laughs> oh. This is I'm 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 like I'm cool with you picking or Ortega like I think that that's bold but fine I think it's categorically insane that you have Volkanovski ranked number four like, that's what? just nuts I don't know. I I am Holloway McKee Ortega Volkanovski yeah how is he not one B with Holloway like that's just insane to me I I don't. Yeah. Tune in to the uh, to, to the new ranking show that'll be coming out yeah. very soon, uh, the first Wednesday oh, yeah. in October, I believe. So stay tuned for that. Maybe this rogue panelist will come on and be able to explain himself. But the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May seventeenth, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Before we get to the main event, we have the women's flyweight title on the line, and Lauren Murphy will look to do what many feel is the absolute impossible, and that is to throne the queen of the 125-pound division, Valentina Shevchenko. Right now, Shevchenko, a minus 1,600 favorite. The comeback on Lauren Murphy is plus 900. So, Jose, we will kick things off with you because the majority of people believe that this is not an if, it's a when and that Shevchenko will just roll here against Murphy, who absolutely deserves to be in the spot right now with five straight wins. Shevchenko, as always, approaching this fight like a gangster, normal stuff, and Murphy is taking any pressure that she could feel, and she's throwing it at her opponent. The quintessential, I've got everything to gain and nothing to lose mentality. If Shevchenko faces any adversity, it's wow, she was made to look somewhat human by Lauren Murphy, of all people. So I'm curious, what do you make of Lauren's demeanor, the way she's approaching this fight, and just the matchup itself? I mean, Lauren Murphy is saying everything right and acting right, and it clearly doesn't seem overwhelmed by the moment whatsoever. If anyone has watched any previous interviews that she's done with us about her past life or seen countdowns or anything, she's been through a lot of hell in her life, so I don't think fist-fighting Valentina Shevchenko is even remotely close to the worst thing she's ever faced in her in however old she is, however long she's been on in this earth. So uh, you said that Valentina's approaching this like a gangster. I think Lauren Murphy's doing the same, approaching it the same way. Like I loved her line where everyone's putting this pressure on me to face the best female fighter in the world. But what if Valentina Shevchenko beats me, but doesn't just put me away? Then we're going to be talking about is Valentina really as good as everyone thought? I'm like, I Love that. Love that you have to tell yourself that. I still don't think you're going to win, but I love that approach. Uh, I do think Lauren Murphy will win at least one round. I think Valentina wins a decision. I don't think she finishes Lauren Murphy. She is an incredibly durable. And as Jed and I have said on many of Between the Links, making your opponent look bad 
is a skill, and Lauren Murphy does that very well, where she just takes her opponents completely out of their game and squeaks out these decision wins. The ability to do that, I think, is a skill where you could fight a kickboxer and then just completely take her out of her element and make it kind of a sloppy pitter-patter fight, and then you win. So I don't think she's going to do that to Valentina at all, but I do think she will be able to take Valentina down at least once. Maybe in the early rounds, like because we all gave Jennifer Maya zero percent chance to like make it out of the second round, and I think she, a lot of people had her winning the first round. I think it's going to be a fight like that. I think Lauren's going to win at least one of the first two rounds, and then Valentina just adjusts and then just blows her away and route to a dominant decision win. But I do think Lauren puts on at least a good showing and looks at least semi-competitive earlier in the fight. Jed, do you think Lauren Murphy will win a round tomorrow night? No, not even close. We talk. I, I, I do not want to disrespect Laura Murphy. She deserves a title fight. Like she, this is well earned. She is a legitimate challenger. This should go down as a great win on Shevchenko's resume because that's what champions do. It doesn't matter how big a favorite you are. You fight the best people in your division time after time, and you stack up bodies. Like it's what Demetrius Johnson did. It's what Anderson Silva did. It's what George St. Pierre did, and that's what Valentina Shevchenko is doing right now. But Mike, you know, man, I I am conducting the bullet train. I am driving the Chevy truck. She is the best fighter in the world in comparison to her peers. The gap between her and everybody else is so much larger than in any other division in the sport. And so because of that, it doesn't matter that Lauren Murphy is a top five fighter in her weight class, is a legitimate deserving challenger. I, I put her chances to win this at 0.01%. Her only way to actually win this fight, as far as I'm concerned, is if Shevchenko like snaps her leg at some point in a fluke incident. Because otherwise, she is better everywhere. And I, I think Laura Murphy's super tough. She's never been finished. Like Jose said, she really does have that skill to make fights look bad. Like that, and that is that's a legitimate skill. Roy Ma- or uh, Roy McDonald almost won a UFC title based on that ability alone. And it just doesn't matter, though. Like, I think Shevchenko is going to run through her. I I don't think she's going to win a round. I think that this is going to be stopped probably in the third round, maybe earlier. Because at any point in time, like, if Shevchenko wants to just do the counter kickboxing thing, Laura Murphy can make it to, to a decision. Because Shevchenko is a very good kickboxer, but she's not the most dangerous on the feet. You know, she does have the, the big head kick knockout over – who did she head kick? Jessica? Yeah. This guy, yeah. She has that, but like otherwise she is content to win rounds on the feet. But she's also figured out in her last fight, nobody thought she was just going to – I'm just going to tackle Jessica Andrade to the ground and just beat the hell out of her from top position. And I think Jessica Andrade is a more physical opponent than Lauren Murphy is. And I think at any point in time, Shevchenko can just do that and get a stoppage. And I don't see how Laura Murphy doesn't get top crucifixed if Shevchenko just decides she wants to do it. So all due respect to Laura Murphy, um, but she's in for a world of hurt. And anytime you hear somebody say, well, all the pressure's not on me because I have nothing to lose. It's the same thing as somebody saying like, I have a great chin because I've been hit a lot. Like it's, it's a good thing to say, but the perspective really is underlying a greater truth there, which is, not good for you as the party who's really grasping at that straw. It's like when the commentators are saying how tough the fighter is. Yeah, okay, If so they're talking tough. about how tough you are, that means you're losing this fight pretty pretty bad. <laughs> exactly. I, I, know, I, I got I, nothing to lose. That means that that's not great. It's not a good thing. I, I did think Basing that was your a, thoughts on the fight. Kyle. Yeah, I, I actually <sighs> – I thought that was a kind of a red flag too at the at the presser when um when uh, Murphy said that you know if I you know even punch her that's a that's a that looks bad on her it's like yeah but you still lose the fight that's that's the goal the goal isn't to to hurt the to make Shevchenko look human the goal is to beat her so um that kind of worried that Murphy even kind of threw that out there but I think she was trying to trash talk and just it didn't work very well um, <sighs> Murphy's tough. The thing is, can she do for three rounds what Jennifer Maya did that one round? You know, when she kind of just held her down, held, held Shevchenko down for one round. And I kind of think Shevchenko kind of gave that round away. Um, can Murphy do that for three rounds? Because I don't see any way she lands um, any significant strikes on Shevchenko. 
uh, and Shevchenko, uh, and I don't see her really taking Shevchenko down, you know, easily. I, I mean, she may get her down once. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of Jose. I'm, I'm like in between what Jose and um, Jed said. It's gonna be pretty one-sided. Uh, Murphy will have her moments, but I don't. I just kind of think it's gonna be an ugly fight. I think it's gonna be uh, uh, kind of uh, man, maybe a little bit better than Carmouche fight around there. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. As much as I, I want, I, I love Valentina and her awesomeness. The fights themselves just don't blow me away as far as like entertainment-wise. But skill-wise, yeah, Shevchenko should should show up and look dang good. She's the new Anderson Silva. Like she's going to have some duds because yeah. of the way she fights. And if opponents don't want to try and give her anything that she wants to work off of, she'll have some duds and just win convincingly. But if they want to put their head out there, she'll kick it off or yeah. top crucifix you. Like I also just like to say, because it hasn't been brought up, uh, Kaylin Chikagian had never been finished until she fought Valentina Shevchenko. Neither had Jessica. I like, Lauren Murphy's really tough, but there's a world of difference in, in who you're fighting, and that toughness does not go that far against the best fighter in the world. Jed, just why do you think Maya got that one round when she held Shevchenko down? Was that just a, a, a giveaway round by Shevchenko? I mean, what, what's to keep Murphy from doing that for 15 minutes? After I think minutes? That, I'm just I, wondering. I agree with you. I sort of think that it was. I think that. Uh, my take on it was that Shevchenko wasn't really anticipating how physical Maya could be. And Maya proved to be like, you know, not, not a direct match for her, but like she did not get bullied in the clinches. And so once Maya got that kind of one hole that I think Shevchenko just kind of took the round off. Cause it's not like Maya threatened with anything whatsoever. Exactly, she was yeah. just moving on. And after that, it never happened again. I would venture to say in part because it seemed like Maya spent a lot of energy mm. just trying to hold on. And so that, that was my take is that I, I think Shevchenko underestimated how physical Maya could be. And then in the moment was just like, all right, well, this is not going to happen again. So you're tired now. All right. That's co-main event. Let us go to the other five round fight, the return of Nick Diaz getting ready to face Robbie Lawler, a rematch 17 years in the making from UFC 47. It was kind of surreal watching that package, watching the fight back almost when Nick Diaz knocked out Robbie Lawler at UFC 47. Kind of crazy to go back and reminisce about that fight and then see those two guys face off once again all these years later. So, Jed, you have said many times until Tuesday when you wake up and you read that this fight actually happened – that's when you'll actually believe it actually happened. But have your thoughts changed at all? Like it's Friday, we weighed in, we had the ceremonials, they seem ready to go. Has your stance changed at all? Do you feel any better about this fight happening tomorrow night? No, I've been very firm. That's the way you don't get wolf tickets sold to you is you don't buy into this. Mike, I have been a Georgia football fan for most of my life. And if there's one thing being a Georgia football fan teaches you, it's that you're going to get sucked in and you're going to think this is the year we win the national title. And then you're going to realize, actually, no, they're going to break your heart in the worst way. And nobody on this panel can tell me it wouldn't be the most Nick Diaz thing ever for him to just show up tomorrow and be like, nah, dude, I'm out and not make the world. Just not even go to the arena. Like, I don't want to do this. Never mind. There would be nobody could be super shocked if that happened, and it would very much be a that's Nick Diaz being Nick Diaz. So again, until Tuesday, when I have had three sleeps and can confirm that this wasn't a fever dream or or hallucination, I'm not buying it, and neither should you. You should just be pleasantly surprised if it happens, because then you won't be disappointed, and that's a much better way to go through life, everybody. Just limit your expectations and you will never be disappointed. <laughs> well, there you go. So, Jose, we're going to think positively here. This fight does happen. Both guys make the walk. Buffer introduces them. Referee says, let's go. Have As a it fight. will happen. Yes. It, I, I feel like it's going to happen at it's this point happen. as well. I'm not buying into this whole expect the unexpected thing that, uh, that Jed's throwing out there, but – 
We had Cody Stamen on BTL. He is not interested oh. in this fight whatsoever. In fact, he said he's going to spend the entirety of the fight in the bathroom, just avoiding it altogether. He just thinks it's going to be an ugly fight. It, it's <laughs> going to be. He thinks. I believe the word "sad." It, he's just going to be sad by the output of these guys. It's not going to be a fun fight. Do you agree at all with that kind of sentiment, or do you think these two guys are just going to get after it and, and and surprise a lot of folks and just have a classic tomorrow night? No, I don't think it's going to be classic. I think it's going to be one-way traffic. I think it's going to be Robbie Lawler just throwing baseball bats for 10 minutes until he until either he gets tired and then stops or he puts Nick Diaz away. Uh, I Of all the media members, I think everyone here is picking Robbie Lawler on site except for New York Rick, who is, for whatever reason, says Nick Diaz is a fighter and he's going to win. And I said, live your truth, my guy. But everyone else is picking Robbie Lawler. So I'm, I just think like – Robbie Lawler has fought a bunch of fighters in their prime, and everyone. Uh, someone was saying like Robbie would have lost to anyone in those in those octagons. Like he would have lost to, he could have fought anyone on that night. He fought RDA and he would have lost. He would have lost to anyone if it was anyone else but Colby Covington. I disagree with that completely. He just fought a murderer's row, and then he fought the guy who has the what the second most wins in the history of the UFC welterweight division. He took that fight on like semi short notice against a stylistic matchup in Neil Magny that just is tailor-made to just neutralizing Robbie Lawler. And he put Ben Askren's skull through a canvas and then woke him up with another punch. If if Herb Dean stopped that fight against Ben Askren, I don't think anyone would have complained. And the entire landscape of mixed martial arts as we know it would be completely different because then we don't get the flying knee from Masvidal. We don't get the BMF title. We don't get any of that. And it's because Herb Dean allowed Robbie Lawler to wake up Ben Askren with a fist. Uh, so I'm picking You're Robbie boxing, Lawler. Bro. He looks very, very angry. Uh, I don't care what Robbie Lawler says at the press conference or the media days saying he's just focused on the fight, this and that. He looks really, really angry uh, when he's not on camera. I know he. people say that's Robbie Lawler. That's just his face. No, this is different. I don't believe for any – there's no part of me that believes that Robbie Lawler said – whatever to fighting at 185 like five days before because he looked pissed when he was talking to his coach like off off camera and coming in and everything didn't look happy whatsoever didn't look happy at the press conference i don't think he was normal robbie lawler i just hate doing media i just think he was mad in general so uh at this whole situation that's happening i think robbie lawler is still a terrifying human being and i think he beats most people outside of the top 15 at 170 pounds uh, I just think he's – I don't want to call him washed by any means because he still hits really hard. I just think they give him really tough matchups against guys with the crazy cardio, cr- crazy durability, and can just neutralize his winging punches. So I'm picking I'm picking Robbie Lawler. One-way traffic. Jed, let me ask you this. I After interviewing Robbie Lawler a couple weeks ago, I got the feeling that win or lose, this is it. This will be his last fight, especially now that Carlos Condit has retired – there's really not much left for him that would really interest him at this point because he's not going to stick around and fight up and coming 170 pounders. He's just not going to do that. Like it just makes no sense for him. If it doesn't excite him, if it doesn't get him up, he's not going to fight. He's just going to hang out with his family and train on his own. Like he doesn't care. So outside of this fight, I just don't know if anything else would get him out of bed and get him in the gym to like train extra hard after this fight. Do you do you kind of believe that win or lose or draw, this is it? This could be the last time we see Robbie Lawler fight in the UFC or maybe anywhere at, at this point. Yeah, probably. Um, I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but it makes a lot of sense. Which is a shame because I always wanted Robbie Lawler versus Anderson Silva. Uh, that fight always seemed awesome to me. And there's no chance of that happening unless Robbie wants to go be a pro boxer. That'd be kind of cool uh pro very in, in very loose terms there but that'd be pretty cool but uh yeah i i think you're right like i don't know what else would get him excited to fight and his legacy is as secure as it gets in this sport he doesn't need it um i i don't think he needs it from a financial standpoint i'm not his accountant but i think he's doing okay and uh honestly it'd be if this is his last fight this is a really good way to end his career there are not a lot of good retirements in mma it is a sport that is awful to its aging veterans and he would 
de facto have one of the best MMA retirements ever if he beats Nick Diaz tomorrow and then just rides off into the sunset. And that'd be great. So I hope so. Uh, honestly, I, I hope that this is his last fight. I had not thought about that at all, but with Connick gone, the, that's the only thing that I would have really wanted to see again. And it's better for all people and everybody's brain cells that that fight is not run back. That was just a one-off. I would agree with that 100%. So, um, You guys want to know a fun Jose, fact? Jose's, I would love to. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's been a long time since Nick Diaz has won a fight. In fact, Nick Diaz's most recent win is closer in time to his first fight with Robbie Lawler than this one. It's been 10 years since Nick Diaz won a fight. Robbie, his last win was against BJ Penn in whatever it was, 2011, and he fought Robbie Lawler in 2004. So Nick Diaz has an entire career and then has been sitting on it for 10 years of functional MMA relevance. It's awesome. That's a, a wonderful stat. Jose, go ahead. I think uh, win or lose, I want to see him fight Stephen Thompson because I've been asking for that fight for a long time too. I don't care if it's a weird matchup. I just, in my head, wanted that fight four years ago and I still want that fight now. I think the fight I makes a lot Lawler. of sense. I just don't know if Lawler would be like, yeah, yeah. let's go fight Wonderboy. Also, you know? like, Robbie Lawler is not a guy I'm going to try to like figure out. You just can't. He also strikes me as a guy like Chris Jericho. Like Chris Jericho said a million times, when I retire, I'm just going to decide for myself and tell no one that what Robbie would do the same thing. Like in three years, he's like, Oh yeah, I retired three years ago and be like, what? Like that's, I feel like that's Robbie Lawler's style. He's just going to not go to the gym one day and decide he's done with it. That's what Carlos did. Yeah. <laughs> Carlos yeah, like, actually retired a couple months ago. We just didn't know it. <laughs> I think Robbie's going to do the same thing. So I also, if he looks fantastic against Nick Diaz, then we could, we can, it's going to be different. But if, again, if he loses yeah, like, I'm not gonna tell any, I'm not gonna try to figure out Robbie Lawler or tell anyone to retire. I've watched oh, yeah. Robbie and, and no, this, this, that would yeah, be I know, I know what you're I, saying. I'm not I'm not I have no idea. I have absolutely because Robbie Lawler is the one person on the UFC roster that you can ask him the most interesting question in the world. He'll be like, I'm just just ready to fight. <laughs> you know, he does that phase where he's like, I'm just ready to fight. <laughs> you could be like really uh, so tell me about the new secretary of state you know I really let my management deal with all that stuff it's just really not my thing I'm just worried about the fight alright <laughs> that's really funny well said uh, anybody picking Nick to win tomorrow I'm going a lot with Robbie too I have no idea how because I have no idea how this fight's going to go but I'll, I'll go with Robbie to win but no clue I am currently on Robbie, but I was originally on Nick, and I might talk myself back into Nick tomorrow if I actually see him make the walk. I this is one of the only re, like the only reason I was interested in this fight in the first place is I've in fact that Robbie Lawler is awesome and Nick Diaz is pretty cool. I think it's a really good matchup for Nick if Nick is like still good. Like if he's not, he's not going to be the same Nick. But if he's fifty percent of who he was, I think like. I mean, Jose said it like Rob, Robbie had problems because he was fighting a bunch of tough dudes who had relentless cardio. And that's, that's Nick Diaz, man. Like yeah. he <laughs> keep playing forward and getting brained. And so uh, stylistically, I think it really is a good matchup for Diaz. It's just have no idea what Diaz is at this point. So it's hard to pick him, but if I'm feeling froggy, I might, I might go with him. Cause it wouldn't shock me at all if Nick Diaz, just walked through all of Robbie's offense and kept hitting him to the body. And then Robbie got tired because, because the Diaz brothers have somehow cornered the market on non-title five round fights, which is awesome. Oh, the Diaz <laughs> and, rule. Yeah. This, it's just the Diaz's get to do it. Nobody else does. And so like, it would, it shouldn't surprise anybody if, if Nick Diaz does fight and he stops Robbie Lawler in the fourth round, cause he's just hit the body a bunch and Robbie gets really, really tired. I, I, Casey. I just – there's a lot – any prediction, I think we just – we have a lot of assumptions. We're, we're assuming Nick actually trained MMA for this. It wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, swimming and doing his triathlon stuff. Um, Nick looks great in great shape. Um, yeah. he, didn't look great. he didn't look great in person. He looks good on TV then or what? I don't get yeah. it. I don't know what it's – he does. he looks really soft in person. Like up, like when we were on the official way, and he did not look great. 
Oh. I think. But again, oh. that that could just be because he's 185 and he's you know. He's, well, I mean, the, not sucked out. They they've never know. they've never looked like physical specimens either. Yeah, either the Diaz brothers, even when they're at their you know proper weight class. Um, yeah. The 85 thing does work. That was like the biggest worry about me uh, when coming into this fight week. It's like, ooh, does that mean he just didn't train? Does that mean he just didn't dedicate himself to? Because those pounds are just, you don't even have to cut weight. Um, even to get to like 175, I think, for someone like Nick, uh, it, the pounds just kind of fall off just by training. And then, you know, you have a weight cut. So the 170, normally I'm like, oh, screw weight cuts. But I think for Nick's case, it's a bit different because 170 isn't like a dangerous weight cut. Uh, or anything like that, but um, man, I don't know. I I, I think this face. I have, I have no idea who's gonna. I just don't know what Nick is gonna show up. I know Nick will show up. He will show up. He will walk into that cage. But after that bell rings, mm-hmm. hey, Nick's never back. Hey, I'll give Dana White credit for this. The, the the Diaz boys, when they do show up for fight week, they show up. You know, in the cage. You know, maybe beforehand they might not show the press conferences and things like that, but they will be there. Um, we just, I just, I have no, I have no, I have no clue. I have no freaking clue. I do think this definitely favors Nick being five rounds, but he's going to take a couple of big shots to get to that, those championship rounds. Who knows? I, I, I really, I, I just have no, no idea. I can't even give no an clue. educated guess. Zero kind of clue. Pro- the Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Ooh, I got it. Uh, Outside of Valentina Shevchenko, just throwing this little number out there, the two biggest favorites on this card outside of Shevchenko are Matthew Semmelsberger, minus 550 against the debuting Martin Sano, who... Let's be honest. We know why he's in the UFC now. Uh, and yep. then the other, Tyler Santos, minus 450 favored over Roxanne Modafari, who the comeback <coughs> on her is plus 340. So uh, shall we go to the peeps? Do we have any questions? Yeah, we got, we got questions. Hold on a second. Yeah, let's go to the peeps. Yeah. We'll take a few from the peeps. Uh, if Robbie Lawler beats Diaz, we'll have to wait 15 years. To, will we have to wait 15 years to see the trilogy? Nope. You think if this fight, is there a chance this fight might have a trilogy? If if, nope, if it's a good fight, zero, I think there's zero percent. All right, even if it's a great fight, I think zero percent. Did you watch that interview with Brett Okamoto and Nick Diaz? I did, but then the very next day, Nick Diaz shows up at the press conference, and he's like an, the opposite person. He's just like, "I'm happy I, to be yeah, here." No, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about like his demeanor. I'm not. I'm talking about specifically. He's like, "Why am I fighting Robbie Lawler right now? Why am I doing this? Who who made this fight? They're idiots." So I don't think. I also, I, don't think I just went through like six hours of Nick Diaz footage. Within yeah. within three or four minutes, he'll say both sides. So I I understand, I understand I what you're saying, but yeah. yeah, I think there's a zero percent chance. I don't think he fights in one seven. Like, huh? I, after after the weight cut shenanigans, I don't think Waller would take a rematch. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm so interested. I'm interested in why did Lauder's why did Lauder take this fight? Because he's been asked millions of times over the years. Straight, straight up money. What 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 was his reasoning? Did, did he? Say, I know he didn't say straight up money, but did he kind of just allude like they gave me lots of money for this? Because Lauder's been fighting. Been, yeah, Lauder's been kind of avoiding this question for like years, asking about this. Yeah. Well, because after like he even said like two after two, three, four, five years, he never thought it was possible. He never thought it would happen. 
So he just stopped thinking about it. Even though people were asking him about it, he was just like, eh, it's never going to happen. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. And then they actually offered it to him, and he was like, all right, sure. Why not? I'm sure they're paying Robbie, pretty handsomely. Robbie also strikes me as a guy who he will think like I, I have a feeling he did think about this fight a lot more than he let on, but he's never going to tell the media that it's like someone asked him, it's like, Oh, are you ever disappointed that you didn't fight George? And like any other fighter would be like, yeah, like he would have been a great match. Like I would have loved to fight the greatest welterweight of all time. Robbie's like, you know, it just didn't happen. I don't, I don't put my, my mind into something that didn't happen. I was like, yeah, that's the most Robbie Lawler answer ever. So, but in the back of his head, I'm sure he would have loved to say more. He's just not the guy that's going to tell the media that. See, I take him at face value. I think Robbie Lawler does not live in a world of hypotheticals. Like he's just like nope. <laughs> no, that's I, not, no, that's I, not I, real I get what you're saying. I get, I get what you're saying, but like I just feel like he's. I feel like he thought about he want he's wanted to rematch Nick Diaz a lot more than he's let on. But again, like what you said, if it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So maybe yeah. he moved on. Maybe outside of his own head, he moved on. But inside internally, I'm sure he wanted it. Wanted that fight. Yeah, it's about evolving and getting better. That's what it's all about. That's um, what he says. Yeah, uh, here we go. We get, I think we got this question on one of our a different podcasts, but let's go ahead and answer it again for this one. Uh, why isn't Lauren Murphy getting credit as a title challenger from media and fans? Are people starting to get bored with Valentina as champion? People are pissed she didn't beat Amanda the second time. I mean, listen, what can he do? What can he do? Like, I, I, I actually, I think Lauren is going to be very competitive in this fight. I, I don't think she's going to win. I think she's going to take a beating. Um, but I think that's what's going to raise her stock is that she's going to be super tough and she's going to have her moments, even when, like the fourth and fifth round, when things aren't looking good, she's going to hang in there and she's going to fire back and she's going to prove toughness. She might even like talk a little smack to Valentina in the middle of the fight. Doesn't mean she's going to win, but I think we see things like that. I think it's going to be more a more exciting fight than people think. Um, but it just is what it is. Valentina, like Jed said, Valentina is just so much better than everybody in that division. Like it's 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 just that. I don't think it's I don't think it's disrespecting Murphy as much as it is respecting Shevchenko. Yeah, agreed. Um, and also, I, I go by this kind of uh, to. Uh, the same the same road that Murphy got to the title. If you gave Valentina those same opponents, she wins more impressively. You know that the 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 four or five wins that Murphy had to get to to get to this title shot, and Murphy earned her title shot. But a couple of those wins were very they could have easily gone the other way. So I think that's why if Mister Bose is wondering why maybe Murphy isn't getting that kind of that you know push that you know usually contenders get like ortega's getting you know uh that's kind of why just murphy's road hasn't been as clear cut it, it, it least in her wins it doesn't help that like obviously like there are fights like perfect example when brian ortega knocked out frankie edgar dana white at the press conference was like yep brian ortega no one contender when Fran- francis knocked out over him, he's like yep francis getting the next title shot when lauren murphy beat jojo Every person in that media room was like, yeah, she's going to fight Valentina next. And Dana was like, you know, we'll see. We'll have to get together on Monday and figure out what's next for Valentina. Like, yeah. not even Dana White is telling her. As yeah, a I, yeah, I don't think Dana's yeah. ever really sold Murphy. And I us. think Valentina and Lauren Murphy cut very underrated promos in different ways. Like, Valentina mm-hmm. is like, just oozes confidence. And her, like, one-liners are just fantastic. And Lauren goes on these, like, long diatribes of just, like, whatever she wants to talk about. And I do think it's very interesting when she gets on these roles. So two de- very different promos, but two promos that I think uh, people pay attention to. Like her promo she cut on Fight Island about how she's better ranked. She should be ranked higher than four. I'm like, at least you're getting people talking about you. Yeah, she was pissed yeah. that Jennifer Maya. She's still pissed Jennifer Maya got a title shot. <laughs> oh, she's infuriated. <laughs> Why? She, whatever. <laughs> I think there's a way more simple way to answer this. I don't think anything that was said was wrong, but like, What's Laura Murphy's highlight package? If you're putting this together for this fight, what what are the what's the highlight package you're putting to promo her here? There isn't one. She's done like she didn't have it. It's not, and that's it's really tough to get credit or have people be interested in you if you if there's not like one touch point to be like, oh, she did that dope thing. It's like okay, she's good. She's a durable fighter. It's just tough, tough stuff. I, I would say a, a little goes to the same for Volkanovski. 
why he doesn't get that credit as a champion. He doesn't have that, you know, that that's big, not, yeah. And, and yeah. Like a hundred percent. I think that's true. Like yeah. you don't have a great highlight package for him. You have at least him fighting people that people know, but you don't have like, Oh, he dropped dude or whatever. It's just, it's not there. And that's really I, tough to, to get people up on. I think it sucks that he's not had that big crowning moment in his home country too. Everyone, yeah. Every champion needs that. Yeah, like true. him beating Jose he got, did, Aldo. Did he get booed at the weigh-ins? Volkanovski? Yeah, but not a lot. Not a I lot. Think it was just, Ortega I, I think definitely it was, got the bigger pop, right? Yeah, but I think it was like because like Brian's team was like or like his group of people were like kind of in the front. I don't think it was like a lot of fans. But okay, well, I was Brian watching the UFC broadcast at least, and if I don't know, yeah, my impression it, was Ortega got the much bigger. It wasn't pop. that big. Okay, it wasn't that big. You were there. This guy cares. Here we go. A couple more questions. And I don't think they were anti-Volkanovski. I just think they were very pro-Brian. <laughs> I think we – oh, God. I, I hate to even throw this out. But if Nick Diaz goes out there and wrecks Robbie Lawler – If it's the same result as the first fight. It's Kamar Usman, baby. <laughs> That's what's You happening. know it. You know it. And Leon Edwards is going to be yeah. – no, Leon's fine. Leon's <laughs> Leon's fight. Leon is fighting Jorge next, regardless of what happens. Good, Leon. Be more interesting, and then you get to get a good title fight. It's your it's your own fault. Nick Diaz gonna get a title fight. Be awesome. <laughs> I bet Leon fights Jorge in January. Jose, can you hold, hold your mic up? Sorry. I think Leon fights Jorge in January. All right. Pay per view or no, I mean, like a co main event. Co main co main event of Izzy Whitaker. Coming event of of Usman Diaz, you mean? That's no. That's I what I heard. Not. That's what I heard. I do not mean that. What at all? <laughs> um, I think Usman fights in July. Now that John Jones can't. You know, if, if Nick is wins, got, title shot or bust. I mean, he's he won't fight anybody else unless for the belt. <laughs> like it's just crazy, and he, that's just what what it is. That's what's going to happen. And Usman will be calling for it aggressively. Yeah. I think he fights. I think if Usman, if Diaz just smokes Robbie and Usman beats Colby, they fight in July. We haven't talked about it too much, but I mean, it's another story. But I'm assuming Izzy's going to have the same tr- tr- big time travel issues that Hooker has right now. So um, mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen with all that? I think it's going to be January. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> Uh, these are silly questions. <laughs> yeah, year versus Ortega next year for the title. What do you think Zero are the chances? Percent. Yeah. Wow. 25. 25. This is, this is mixed martial arts. Anything can happen. I'll go guys. 14, 14%. I think if, and this is 1%. I think, I think 1%. Holloway wins. And I think a better question next year does Ryan Rodriguez fight? Next year is a better question, <laughs> and that's like I love that's watching Ayer Rodriguez fight. He just he hasn't been the most active fighter, which is I'm not knocking him. It's just well, that, that was I Holloway. Was, it was Holloway that pulled. Sometimes it's him, sometimes it's opponent. Obviously, it's just a lot of it's a lot string of bad luck. I know, but Yair, you know, we had the the three strikes for not not sharing his location with Usada, and then he like disappeared for a bit. So and then he got hurt, and then cut, and then not cut, and. It's and then, a, and Holloway it's got like, injured. I don't know what Yair is going to do next week, let alone next year. Uh, I've, I've, it's, it's, yeah, I just hope Holloway. I, I just want to see that fight. I want to see Holloway back in the cage, and I hope he's. Um, would be would be fuck freaking Giga versus Max. That'd be a banger of a title fight. Uh, here we go. Oops, one more question from um, Uno Mats. Uh, thoughts on Dan saying CKB may move to the States. They may wind yeah. up in Cali. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the move, right? Like, I don't think just, they would do California. Why not? I think they'll move to the States, no. though. I, I don't think they do Miami. I think they do Florida. I just, I don't think it happens. I, Dan Hooker kind of, kind of, kind of, he kind of like, uh, these guys are going a little overboard when he, when he was talking about that. And, at um, the media day? At, yeah. at the scrum today? Yeah. He was like, oh, I Izzy's, think I think he's just kind of talking from you know, Izzy's passionate, as we kind of yeah. said. I think it'll. I think I don't think it'll be. I don't think they'll all move together, but I do think they'll. They'll. I think it'll be a temporary move until this passes. I, I don't think like like the, like the top guys. 
not like not the not the gym because the gym's got like. Well, I think the ones like that can guys. afford to be. I think the guys that can afford to be full time fighters will move to the states temporarily. Because obviously, like when you're a lower ranked fighter, a lot of them have jobs that they can't just like leave to go move across the world. I think like the top level guys will move to South Florida. So really, it's only like maybe three or four guys because, and maybe. Uh, well, they uh, have kickboxing too, and stuff. Like it would yeah. be like Eugene, Izzy. I don't like Balkanovski splits time. Hooker, uh, Shane Young, uh, Riddell, and then uh, Blood Maybe Diamond, Albert. Carlos Olberg, Car, uh, uh, okay. yeah, all those guys. Yeah, okay. I think they'd be like ten to fifteen. Be interesting. Um, all right, I think we're good, gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, Man, it all goes down cares about the rest of this card, Philistines. Oh. Let's talk. Oh, All right, pick one. Oh, oh, I just meant the fans. We're yeah, talking this, about yeah, you're right. This, this, this card, we, we've talked about how awesome this freaking card is. How many top 10 fighters on this card? How many fights actually have s- serious significance? Yet nobody's talked about Andrade Cavillo. No one's talking about Curtis Blades. Nobody's talking about Marlon Marais, Marab. We didn't even talk about that fight. The Curtis Blades card, Daniel, I keep forgetting is on this card, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I love that. There's fight. a lot of good. Ones. I love all those fights. I think Andrade, Cynthia is going to be one way traffic for Andrade. Oh yeah, yeah. For big sure. opportunity for Calvillo because if she wins, she's going to fight for the title next. Yeah, she's not going probably. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Probably. It'll be it'll be a very tough yeah. victory for Cynthia. Yeah, she's if not, not going to Alexa Grasso. Maybe maybe Tyler Santos earns her way. Well, so into, isn't uh, Alexa Grasso fighting today. someone? Yeah, she's um, who is she fighting? I gotta look this up real quick. I should know this. Is she fighting Joanne Calderwood? Grasso? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good fight. That's, like yeah. That one, yeah, it is. Like so if she I wins, like if Grasso wins that one. UFC, right. I maintain that the thing to do with women's flyweight is have Shevchenko do a Queen of the Hill and just take all the top <laughs> ten fighters and one after the other into the cage against her and see how deep she can get into the rankings. I think she could make it through eight before. No, <laughs> oh my <laughs> Are you are you in the whole Chevchenko could beat Jake Paul in zero seconds? <laughs> that seems zero seems low, but <laughs> Shevchenko right. is awesome. I'm. I know she's awesome. Yeah, I was just like, okay, all right. Uh, all right. We go. Hit the music, Casey. Hit the music. And listen, Wait, folks, if you're like, is uh, walking papers this week? What's that? Is it pink slip baby from all oh, I, I would hate that. Losing just to top goes. five fighters, that would be just horrible. But I think, I, I think, UFC does, I think that fight's going to be a really close fight. I really do. I think Marlon's going to bring the thunder. I, I think Marab wins, but I think, I think Marlon's going to be much more competitive I than think, people think he's going to be. I think after a round and a half, it's Marab's fight to lose. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I think the first eight minutes will be a lot of fun. It's gonna be hell though to get to that eight, eight, seven and a half minute mark. Hey, do you get you have a little gremlin behind you, Mr. Heck? I know. Kid him <laughs> and the dog. The single dad life ends tomorrow night. Thank God. Thank God the wife comes back home from Massachusetts, and I get a little bit of sanity in my life. Yes, Grayson, we see you and your puppets and. That's it. We got the music playing. We got to get out of here. We'll see you tomorrow, 5.30 Eastern, I believe, for the uh, for the pre- People's Pre-Fight Show. So bring your questions, bring your thoughts, and we'll address them for 30 or so minutes. And then uh, Jose is going to bring you all sorts of scrums, and we'll, all, we'll bring you all sorts of goodies. So until then, for Casey, for Jose, for Jed, for my kittens, puppets, I am Mike Heck. See you tomorrow. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.